Welcome to the Theo Soul Podcast, where theology meets sociology, along with a little bit of soul. I'm your host, Chad Cooper. On today's episode, we're going to talk about Sunday School Sundays. This is when we set aside some time for Christian education. We will go over a Bible lesson that includes scripture verses, a brief introduction and background of the setting, then the exposition will give a verse-by-verse breakdown with some life application and some discussion questions. On this episode of Sunday School Sundays, we are continuing our summer teaching series on the theme for these months of June, July, and August of God's gift of faith. For the month of June, we're dealing with a series of lessons in the Gospel according to Matthew as we've been looking at Jesus' teachings on faith. We talked about the last couple of weeks about why are you worrying and why are you afraid as Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6 as he deals with Worrying in terms of people may have financial difficulties. They may be working and they cannot afford basic necessities. But Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 6 that we should have faith in God, He will supply all our needs. Matthew 6 and 33 tells us that we should seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto him, unto you. Last week we talked about the question of why are you afraid? Jesus was understood to be 100% man as he was asleep on the boat. However, he is 100% God as he spoke to the wind and the waves by saying peace be still his disciples in the boat after waking Jesus up asking the question master carest thou not that we perish I thank God that I serve a God who cares about us that storms in life may come up being persecuted Racially discriminated as a black person in America, being impoverished, going through things, mentally disturbed, in need of therapy, that God is able to calm our storms. On today's episode, we're dealing with week number three as we're looking at healed as of course the third lesson we talked about being healed by faith as we looked at two individuals two ladies a woman that had an issue with blood for 12 years as well as a young daughter who had passed away that Jesus is the type of a person 
he's God, that he cares, and that he rewarded the woman that had an issue of blood for 12 long years by saying, daughter, thy faith have made thee whole. And also, he cared for this ruler, Jairus' daughter, by coming to her aid and raising her back to life. As we look at week number four of our Sunday School Sunday teaching series, our lesson title is, Why Do You Doubt? And our topic is, An Amazing Feat. We will read Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Our main thought, our key verse, is Matthew chapter 14, verse 31. This is from the King James Version. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? The lesson setting of Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 through 33 takes place at the Sea of Galilee around the year A.D. 26. Our unifying principle is this. In the depth of crisis, people often account caught between trust and doubt. Will one trust that help will come? Jesus, by walking on water to save his disciples, demonstrated his divine empowerment to be the savior of all. Have you ever been in a situation where you were experiencing a crisis? Then after you were able to draw upon needed insights and resources to cope with your crisis, you were led to assist someone in their own crisis? Adults have experiences of being extremely fearful when undertaking life's ventures in all phases of our lives. Until we go to heaven, we undertake all sorts of worthwhile and notable ventures. And hopefully, as a result, experience success and impact the lives of those in our circles of influence. Many adults may undertake a risky venture with zeal only to lose heart at a later time. Many adults in such a situation have needed someone to save them from a bad situation and have been fortunate enough to have a person or two feel this role in their situation. It is a blessing when adults can trust someone whom they respect and admire. Many of those people are supportive because they see potential in the person who desires to undertake a worthwhile and notable task. Because some of these undertakings are not just a notion. Many adults who undertake them have experienced the power of a dangerous storm. Fortunately, 
Many of them have had a friend whom they could trust in difficult times. In today's lesson, uh, some synoptic scholars refer to this time in Jesus' ministry as the Galilean crisis. This was the beginning of signs the Jewish religious establishment would begin to turn on Jesus after he refused to be the king they perceived he could have been. He fed them bread in the wilderness and they wanted to use him to continue the food supply in the desert. But they didn't see him as the Messiah or as John's gospel put it, the bread of life. From Matthew's point of view, the final verses of the previous miracle in the wilderness, the verses that precede our lesson for today, verses 13 through 21, Jesus dealt with this internally through prayer to his father. Then he discovered the disciples were in their own crisis that Jesus would have to deal with and save them from. Section number one is entitled Faith and Discernment. We will read Matthew chapter 14 verse 22. Today we will read from the Christian Standard Bible. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. Faith and Discernment The command by Jesus for the disciples to get into the boat and go before him to the other side of the lake presupposed the fact that unusual circumstances existed. The result of the previous miracle, the feeding of the 5,000, was what some have described as a swelling tide of enthusiasm rising to its full height and thus the multitude to form a foolish and dangerous plan. This crowd wanted to crown Jesus and make him their king. They were on the verge of coming and taking Jesus by force in order to do so. Because of these unusual circumstances, the most natural explanation, according to these synoptic scholars, is that Jesus wanted to remove both himself and his disciples from the foolish enthusiasm of the crowd. For that reason, he arranged for them to sail away at dusk across the sea while he dispersed the crowd. Because Jesus got the disciples out of the political atmosphere of revolutionary excitement, it was easier now to dispatch the crowd than it would have been with them present. Jesus understood the mind of the crowd. 
he hastened to prevent the revolt's purpose, which was precipitated by the recent death of the loved prophet John. The result of the miracle in the wilderness did not take Jesus by surprise. It was what he expected. Or perhaps, in a sense, it was what he had purposed to happen. It was time for the thoughts of many hearts to be revealed. And at least one of the reasons the miracle was performed was to help reveal people's hearts. Jesus provided a table for the people in the wilderness, gave them the grain of heaven, and sent them food until they were full. See the reference to Psalm number 78 verses 19 as well as verses 24 through 25. Some suggest he did this in order to test them and know what was in their hearts. See the reference to Deuteronomy chapter 8 too. Did they love him for his own sake? Only because they expected worldly advantage. He knew beforehand that many followed him for secret purposes. But he desired to bring the fact home to their own consciences. The miracle gave him the opportunity and enabled him to say without fear or contradiction. You are looking for me. Not because you saw signs. But because you ate your fill of the loaves. It was a searching word. It put all of his followers who professed his name in a position where they had to examine their thoughts and ask themselves the question, why do I follow Jesus? Section 2 is entitled, Faith in Crisis. We'll read verses 23 through 27. Again from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well, into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat was already some distance from the land, from land, battered by the waves, because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them, walking on the sea. Very early in the morning, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Faith in crisis. What's referred to as the Galilean crisis by some synoptic scholars had come at last, and the remainder of Jesus' ministry was destined to be thorny 
as he suffered the alienation of the popular Jewish crowds and heard those who had been praising him soon express disappointment and bitterness against him. Knowing this led him to go up on the mountain and pray. Thoughts of the death of John the Baptist and his own day of death approaching on Calvary had left his soul in anguish. Meanwhile, with the second watch of the night came one of those sudden storms characterized of the sea surrounded by mountains. The wind caused the sea to rise up more and more. In the previous storm encounter on the sea by night, Jesus was with the disciples and saved them when the waves were threatening to engulf their boat. Now they were in the midst of the sea, distressed and rowing, making little headway with all their efforts because the wind was against them and Jesus was not there. Nine hours of fearful struggle brought them but little over three miles to about the middle of the lake. They didn't attempt to approach the shore lest their boat be cast upon the rocks and destroyed and they were carried by the waves into the sea. Jesus, alone on the land and in prayer on the mountain, could see them in the midst of the strenuous pull of the oars as they sought to drive their boat on the face of the adverse wind. Despite what was going on in the inner spirit of Jesus' humanity during prayer, he knew his father was with him, and he thus began to focus on the disciples who were in the peril of the sea. The storm was as violent as the first they had experienced and lasted longer. Their strength had been put to a severe test. Perhaps this storm was a preparation for a greater one to follow on the next day when the fickle crowd would turn away from their master. The gale of a tornado of apostasy, said one scholar, F.F. Bruce. The trial of faith in an absence of the Lord in the storm at sea would strengthen them to meet the tempest of temptation. Jesus left them for a while in the midst of that affliction to prepare them for the victory of their stated of their faith and for years of service ahead. Stated another author and theologian scholar William Taylor, author of the work, Miracles of Our Savior. According to scholars, the fourth watch, night of the night, implied the Roman division of the night into four watches, as in Mark's Gospel, chapter 13, 
verse 35. This would be sometime between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning. They believed the night had four watches. The first watch being from 6 at night to 9 at night. The second watch being from 9 at night to 12 midnight. The third watch being from 12 midnight to 3 o'clock in the morning. And the fourth watch of the night between 3 o'clock in the morning and 6 o'clock in the morning. It was during these hours when the disciples saw Jesus coming toward him, them, walking on the sea. As he got closer and closer, they didn't recognize the figure to be Jesus and became afraid. Several attempts have been made by textual critics to explain Jesus' walking on the water. It has been proposed, for example, that what, had, that what happened was nothing more than an optical illusion. In the dim light of the fourth watch of the night, the figure of Jesus was seen as if walking on the water when actually walking through the surface in the shallows of the northern lake. While this is credible in theory, others write that the disciples would have quickly discovered their error and the incident would not have been preserved for prosperity, posterity. A different belief is that this story is from a resurrection experience that were erroneously transferred to the days of Jesus' ministry. Some scholars believe this story is a theophany. Jesus revealed himself to the disciples as a divine being or as God. It is alleged that Jesus' statement to the terrified disciples in Matthew, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. May reflect what's called the theophanic, theophanic formula of Exodus chapter 3 verse 14. I am who I am. For many, this seems to be reading into the passage far more than Matthew intended. Another way of saying eisegeting the passage. Furthermore, Peter understood the phrase in its normal sense. Lord, if it is you. From verse 28. The words were meant to identify the walker on the sea as Jesus, not God. The figure walking the waves was, for Matthew, not a divine being, but the Messiah, whom God had endowed with supernatural power, essential to Matthew's telling of this miracle, is the fact that at the time of Jesus' appearance on the lake, the boat was far from land and being tortured by the waves. This story sits in a continuum of narratives in which rulers were understood to have been divinely chosen to govern and even rule over the elements. As an example, Julius Caesar was shown by Lucan in his work, uh, Pharsalia, in a similar light as Jesus. 
A storm came up while Julius Caesar was on a boat and was then convinced the boat would not submerge because nature knew who he was. Uh, see the reference to the author W. Cotter found on page 170. Although this story about Caesar is fictional, the point is the same. The ruler did not simply govern people, but even elements of nature. Matthew's story had the same effect. And when it is considered that this story is placed between two other miracle stories, Jesus is shown to have supreme power. In the context of Matthew chapter 14, Jesus was a provider, a ruler of nature, and a healer. For Matthew, Jesus' miracle of walking on the sea was to aid the threatened disciples. As Messiah, he is the one charged and empowered by God to shepherd and care for God's people. Jesus immediately spoke to the terrified disciples with words of peace and reassurance. Verse 27. He relieved their distress. He came to them in, the, in their hour of dire need and relieved their distress. Jesus' temporary absence earlier was a preparation for his perpetual absence to come. Section 3 is entitled Faith for an Amazing Feat that Leads to Worship. We read verses 28 through 33 from the CSB. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him, and said to him, You of little faith. Why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. Matthew alone recorded the episode of Peter walking on the water. It is one of the unique events found in Matthew's Gospel. According to the Interpreter's Bible, Peter's resolution to come to Jesus required great courage. And although his faith wavered, Christ strengthened him before it was too late. This passage, therefore, foreshadowed Peter's denial of Jesus 
his restoration after the crucifixion. See the reference to John 21 verses in that chapter. Matthew thought of Peter as a type of Christian disciple whose teaching could be followed with confidence. Matthew concluded the story with the disciples' response, which is different than Mark's gospel. Matthew agreed with Mark on theological perspective, but his literary purpose that the later faith be foreshadowed during the earthly ministry. Just as the Gentile Magi worshiped Jesus at his birth, long before the Gentile mission began. So those in the boat worshiped Jesus even though they did not yet know it would be only through a shameful death and subsequent resurrection that Jesus would enter fully into his lordship. And yet, Peter and other disciples responded to this miraculous happening properly with their limited understanding. The worship reinforced Matthew's point that Jesus is the anointed one of God, worthy of worship. Though they did not understand fully, they understood enough to understand they were in the presence of one greater than they and whom God was with. For our life application and summary section, we have some of the following thoughts. In the times we currently live in, it's not beyond temptation to become enthusiastic about values and convictions we hold. While this is not a problem in and of itself, it can become such that our discernment is clouded and we are so caught up in our causes that we may not become aware just what we are emotionally getting ourselves into that may not be of God's will. In the current political environment in which this writer writes, Christians seem to be easily held hostage by various political circles without seeking God's discernment as opposed to committing to party lines. Jesus had discernment for the crisis that was before him. On the other hand, the disciples escaped being a part of the wrong cause because Jesus knew the hearts of the people around him. In time, the apostles also would have discernment, but that would come after Pentecost. When we find ourselves in crisis, it is easy to not see the Lord's hand in the midst. But in fact, 
He has ordered our steps regardless of the crisis we find ourselves in. To be sure, our Christ knows what lies before us and can allow even the most tragic of circumstances to grow our faith. As in the earliest story of Jesus calming the sea while in the boat, a few, as we learned uh, a few lessons ago, with the disciples, the boat here seems to represent the church, buffeted by temptations, trials, and persecutions. In both, Jesus appears as the church's champion who is strong to save those who call on him in faith. Peter walking on the water depicts what it means to be a Christian caught midway between faith and doubt. Peter represents all who dare to believe Jesus is Savior, take their first steps in confidence that he is able to sustain them, and then forget to keep their eyes fixed on him instead of on the towering waves that threaten to engulf them. Peter also represents the risk-taking of faith. Christians learn to live with uncertainties. The knowledge of faith speaks of realities that are of more importance than the things we can see and touch. To believe in the saving power of Jesus is to take a risk. We can worship our Lord even now before our life and troubles will be no more. The gospel songwriter put it this way. Don't wait for the battle is over to shout now. For we know in the end we're going to win. Let's talk about it with a discussion question. The boat can symbolize the church. How can we as the church hold on to certain faith during uncertain times? What are some specific things congregations can do to demonstrate faith? How can we share this faith with others? Before we leave you, we always would like to end with the DDR, the Home Daily Devotional Readings. Here they are. Monday, God welcomes foreigners. Isaiah 56, 1 through 8. Tuesday, Naomi's sorrow turns to joy. Root chapter 4, 3 through 6, then verses 13 through 15. Wednesday, Symptoms and Treatment of Leprosy, Leviticus 13, 1-8. Thursday, Lepers Share Their Good News, 2 Kings 7, 3-11. Friday, Many Samaritans Believe in the Savior, John 4, 39-42. Saturday, Doing what needs to be done. Luke 17, 1 through 10. Sunday. Cultivate gratefulness for acts of healing. 
Leviticus 13, 45 through 46. Luke 17, 11 through 19. This has been another episode of Sunday School Sundays on the Theoso Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's Bible lesson. You can get in touch with me. You can find me on the social media scene three ways. On Facebook, you can look me up, Chad Cooper. On Instagram and Twitter, you can look us up at CJCooper929. If you would like to donate, uh, my cash app handle and tag is dollar sign CJ Cooper 22. The Theo podcast can be found on many different platforms such as Anchor, Spotify, Radio Public, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. This has been another episode of the Theo Soul Podcast, where theology meets sociology, along with a little bit of soul. I'm your host, Chad Cooper. Take care, and God bless.